lot of gray area in this week's theme song. It is just a full-on zombie. Welcome. This is the Fright Club Podcast. I'm Hope Madden. And I'm George Wolf, and we are from MadWolf.com. And last week, it was not quite zombies, but this week, we're stepping it up. It's quite zombies. That's right. They are. They're, as somebody famous once said, they're dead. They're all messed up. <laughs> and uh, we got to welcome in our, our special guest, our senior undead correspondent, a friend from many years ago and currently in the uh, Columbus radio game. It's Dave Mann. Welcome. Thank you, guys. Uh, this is this is awesome. I'm very geeked about it. Well, we know of your we know of your love for the zombie lore, <laughs> and uh, and and also I think you've got a few different ideas about some of these movies, which is always good. We like a little conflict. Uh, sure. We won't since we're in on the phone. We won't come to blows, which is good. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good message. Yeah. These are good ones to start with. I think you and you, hope you and Dave collaborate a little bit on this list, right? We did. He sent he sent a list of uh, of his favorites, and then I um you know and you uh you just dismantled it, it and put it back together the way I wanted it. That's what I did. See Dave, see Dave. Now you know you get a little peek into my life. I see what you put up with every day, man. <laughs> if she weren't so darn good looking, I do like these movies, mm-hmm. but this is right up your guys' alley. So and- you. And to be fair, I mean, there are there got to be more zombie movies than any other kind of movie. I mean, there were so many, like literally thousands of movies to, 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 to choose from. It was hard to do. And we do have fuzzy math going on, but we still almost we almost had a seven. I almost had a seven in here that I couldn't I couldn't bear to give up. Dave, did you did you find it difficult to get down to five as well? I really did. I, I was I was thinking, man, a, a top ten would be so easy. But then that that's why that's what makes it fun is really having to chisel it down and. Um, you know, I was kind of torn because I like my serious zombie movies, but there's also some great, you know, zomcoms out there, and I, I don't know why that genre um, works so well with a comedic bent to it, but it does. So there's some funny ones, you know, in the mix, and there's some not-so-funny ones in the mix. I like that term, zomcom. Yeah. You need to trademark that. I don't think we've <laughs> used that before, but it's, it's obvious. But uh, I, think, I think I stole that from somewhere else, mm-hmm. but... Um, well, fair enough. It fits. But we've got uh, we've got five. You guys have, have have settled on, and we've got some, like I said, difference of opinion that we'll get into. But they're all uh, they're all good. They're all solid. And we'll start at number five. This is one again that, that slipped through the cracks for me that I wasn't aware of. But at number five on the list from 1979, it's just called Zombie. The National Guard cannot control the situation in every borough of the city, from Brooklyn to Manhattan, from Harlem to Queens. The zombies are taking over. Zombie was kind of the unofficial sequel to uh, Dawn of the Dead, if uh, memory serves me correct. And um, I think one of the cool things about the movie was that, you know, in the Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead franchise, it was kind of intimated that it was that crashing satellite at the beginning of, uh, of Night that somehow reanimated the corpses and brought people back. And with Zombie... I think there's a, there's some uh, intimations there that it's it's voodoo that is bringing the the creatures back to life. So it, it's got a kind of a different take to it that I that I enjoyed in that regard. 
And it also um, has a uh, a scene where a zombie fights a shark. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's so great. <laughs> and that is a real deal scene, man. That's no CGI. That was, I mean, they stuck some poor sucker in zombie makeup in a water with a shark. And, <laughs> and they fought. And then, and also, uh, probably one of the most all-time uh, gruesome scenes ever is... Uh, this poor lady, a, a zombie, thrusts its fist through the door and grabs her by the hair, and there, there's a slow scene where she gets dragged out, and she gets a splinter straight into the eyeball, and uh, it's, it's guaranteed to make you squirm, man. <laughs> yeah, all the fans of Sharknado got to check this out, because yeah. it's got nothing on uh, on zombie. The zombie fights a shark. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned it being the unofficial uh, sequel to Dawn of, the, Dawn of the Dead, and I think that is because in Italy... The Dawn of the Dead's title was Zombie. Correct. Dario Argento worked uh, on Dawn of the Dead with with Romero, and then he he actually re-edited the film and swapped out the score for a Goblin score, who is, I know Dave Mann knows this as well, a big, big collaborator uh, with uh, with him in almost everything he does. So then um, in Italy, there's no uh, law against um, sequels. I mean, you can make a sequel to anything you want to. You don't have to have any kind of copyright to it. So then... Uh, his recut Dawn of the Dead made so much money that somebody very quickly just made a, you know the the next version. And Lucio Fulci wasn't originally supposed to direct it, but um, he did. And and I think one of the great things, the 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 thing that I love the most about it is what his zombies look like. They look like festering corpses. Like there's no, it doesn't yeah. look like blue makeup. I mean, they look like right. festering, maggot ridden, long dead, reanimated corpses, which is awesome. Well, and, and the, the movie poster features exactly that. It's the zombie with the worms in his eye. And then I just love the title below, the subtitle, it just says, We are going to eat you. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there's no debate. There, there's no, it goes now. It's just a simple fact. They're going to eat you. <laughs> Period. For any of you, any of you who are a little slow on the uptake, <laughs> here's what's going to happen. <laughs> I love that. Well, as you might imagine, they didn't have the greatest budget for this film. And I think a couple of the things that were, were hilarious and a couple of things where you can see this is uh, toward the end when they have the, the uh, state of emergency declared and there's still traffic on the bridge at the end because they did not have the money to shut down the streets. <laughs> Usually when there's a state of emergency, you know, stay off, everybody out. No, traffic, traffic just free-flowing. <laughs> but And also the, um, the newspaper scene, the scene in the newspaper office, they were filming that in an actual office building where meetings were going on, and one of the people... They interrupted in a meeting was none other than Rupert Murdoch. Wow, who was having a yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> um, I just love those types of stories from low budget movies. Yeah, well, and I think too about that movie was that you know um, when I look back at, at all these movies, it's kind of the emotional component that goes with it is I saw that at a drive-in theater. And you know nowadays, yeah, you can pull it up on Amazon or on Netflix or whatever, but. You know, um, back then in the day, if you wanted to see that stuff, you, you know, you had to make an effort to go see it. And, and I don't think, at least in the little podunk town that I grew up in, you know, that movie wasn't going to play at the indoor theater. If you wanted to see it, you were going to have to go see it on a, you know, triple bill or something at the drive-in. Yep. And, and, and that's where I remember seeing it. And that just, um, it just brings back that whole era of the late 70s, early 80s, and, and going out and having fun and, and you know, going to the drive-in theater, which is a, 
it's a lost art, you know. Yeah. It doesn't exist anymore. That is absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, number five on our list, Zombie from 1979, which uh, leads us uh, a little a little closer to now as we get to number four, and it's an idea that is so genius it can only make you say, "What took you so long?" And it's <laughs> dead snow. Yeah, say it with me, Nazi zombies. I mean, it's so perfect. Not not only when you just the the images that it conjures up in your mind, but when you see it, they got the full on uniforms oh, on yeah. and the hats. They and look it, great. It, they look fantastic, and it just came out of kind of came out of left field, and uh, is one that got people interested. I know you again got interested in the whole genre again because it's something new. Yes, Nazi zombies. Let's go. It also is a gorgeous movie, and it's it's funny because um it, it's got a very cabin in the woods kind of self referential. It, it's just gonna it's gonna really play closely by all of the the standard horror tropes that you're used to, and but it's just gonna make them more fun and more interesting. And um it just is uh, you know they're on the ski slopes, they're out in the mountains, and, and you know and the, some old local comes by to tell them that the cabin they're staying is doomed, and you know <laughs> then the next thing you know. He's he's camping. I love this scene so much. And there it's in this beautiful it's a white little tent and he's got a light from within. It's just like a little jewel nestled in the Alps. And then there's just blood right. and entrails everywhere. <laughs> it was just so gorgeous. I love that. I, I you know, and then this movie is so funny also. It's just uh it's just a, a riot. Nothing makes all that red pop like a beautiful canvas of white. That's true. Red. That's exactly right. That is so true. In in, in that scene and then you've got that Similar scene in 30 Days of Night, uh, you know, the oh, vampire yeah. movie. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Nothing makes that red pop like the snow. And boy, <laughs> they've, got a, they've got a lot of it going on in here. And just the whole angle, the whole Nazi angle. There's that scene at the end uh, where the character um, Roy, when they're fighting, he holds up a hammer and a sickle. He does. <laughs> <laughs> which is a nice nod to the sequel, actually, which wasn't nearly as good, but wasn't bad either. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. So this is one, Dave, you, uh, you, you agree with this uh, in here, no problems with Dead Snow? Absolutely, and it goes back to kind of like, you know, the, the comedy uh, aspect of it. It's, it's that, um, that there's plenty to laugh at, and the first time I saw it, you know, it, it just kept, it reminded me so much of the Evil Dead franchise, too. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like, like you're saying, holding up, uh, you know, the, the hammer and the sickle, and <laughs> I, I believe there's a chainsaw involved. Yep. And, um <laughs> You know, anybody that can fall over a cliff and be dangling by um, intestines, you know, that's, <laughs> that's quality filmmaking. <laughs> you know, and we learned, we learned an important fact. If you're ever caught in an avalanche, you won't know if you're upside down or not. So spit. That, they taught me that. Because of gravity. gravity, so then you'll know yeah. which way to dig. That so is, it's it's an important lesson that I, you can learn. I remember. <laughs> us, no, seriously, that's uh, uh, not that we're planning on being you know dangled by a cliff. But I, I remember when we saw that, and we and I thought, wow, that's that's a helpful hint. <laughs> you know? And as so many of of these movies do, there's homages to other other films. And one of the most obvious is a T-shirt. The one guy has a T-shirt that says "Brain Dead," which is in English, and that throws back to a obscure uh, New Zealand film from 2007 called "Brain Dead." Because the guy who wears that shirt, the way he gets killed is exactly like 
the very first kill in Brain Dead. So I don't know. That's a pretty he, obscure movie. He's actually a, a really great character because he's the one who keeps pointing out the fact that they keep stumbling into these same plain, you know, horror tropes. And he almost always has. He's got a lot of makes a lot of Goonies references. But other than that, he makes a lot of <laughs> just, you know, uh, lines. He throws out a lot of lines from famous horror movies, which is funny because uh, the, aside from they're mostly American, even though the film is Norwegian. And so his quotes are Norwegian, but when you read them, they're anyway. It's just a funny idea, but he's um he's my favorite character, <laughs> and he gets some outhouse loving, which is it just <laughs> struck me as as chilly. I remember thinking that like it doesn't seem comfortable or sanitary to me, but you know yeah, who does that? Man? <laughs> outhouse loving isn't that an album by Mountain from back in the <laughs> the early seventies. I, I come from, you know, I have Nor- Norwegian, Swedish roots, and that would never cross my mind. I guess uh, <laughs> take it to the outhouse for a little. <laughs> oh, man. And, so- and, and going back to the whole, you know, zombie um, zombie Nazi thing, I remember uh, a movie, um, you know, from being a kid, and it would play on TV every now and then. Would, and if, if I remember correctly, it was called The Frozen Dead. And it was about... Um, World War II Nazis who had, I believe, frozen these zombies, and of course they are discovered. And the movie was so bad, and it was so boring, and I, I would, typically I would just shut it off after a while, because it sucks with that. But all these years later, when, when, when I saw this movie come out, I went, finally, somebody took the concepts and ran with it. And, and they just, they did it in spectacular fashion. Yeah. The, you know, there are a couple of others. Uh, Shockwave's probably a famous one. Um, um, that is, they're all stuck on an island and, and uh, they're Nazi zombies out there. And then there's also one called um, Zombie Lake, which is French. Uh, but they're both, uh, both of those are from like the late 60s, early 70s. And they're, they're they're low budget and horrible, and um, the uh, acting is atrocious. But well, it's still just such a fun concept. I think, Dave. I think you're remembering the Frozen Dead from 1966. Yeah, that uh, sounds about right. And it's described as a crazed scientist keeps the heads of Nazi war criminals alive until he can find appropriate bodies on which to yes. attach them. Yes, that was it. Well, now we know a little bit about what made you the man you are today. <laughs> <laughs> After school, we're going to crank up the Frozen Dead. So do we have love for uh, Red vs. Dead, the sequel? Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Um, I don't. I mean, it's not. It's fun and funny. It's not. I don't think it's as quite the film that the first one is. But um, Exactly. Yep, I agree with you. Totally. Okay, so number four in our top five zombie films, that's Dead Snow, and we're moving on up to uh, number three. We've talked about this one before, but never with Dave, so this is going to be good. Number three is Dead Alive. On this picturesque block, in this manicured home, something horrifying is haunting Lionel. Your mother's dead, Lionel. Now, whatever mom's got... Who's your mother? Has caught on with the neighbors. How do you kill something that's already dead? Your mother ain't my dog. Dead alive. So this one was the the one that was not on Dave Mann's list. Actually, this is the one that I inserted into this because. Well, I've mentioned this a couple times on other podcasts. I just love this movie. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's fun. It's incredibly gruesome. There's a lot of pus and and other nastiness um there's again there's a sumatran rat monkey or 
like a misshapen lump of clay, if that's what you want to think of it. Um, uh, I think that the the characters are hilarious, and I think that the kills are very, very inventive. Uh, Peter Jackson was like his best full-on horror movie, right? He'd done a lot of really bad horror movies that we're still we're seeing, and then he made this one, and it was, uh, I think, uh, like a remarkable step forward for him. Um, and then he moved on to mainstream films, obviously, and that seems to do pretty well for him. But um, I miss I miss the Peter Jackson of Brain Dead. Well, my favorite thing about the movie is uh, the title they gave it in Spanish, which trans which translates to "Your mother ate my dog." <laughs> <laughs> For real? Huh? Yes, wow. exactly right. Oh man, I love that. And also, um, at the very beginning of the movie, you talk about the what's the monkey? Sumatran monkey? Sumatran rat? Sumatran monkey. rat monkey? That's what starts the whole thing. At the very beginning, the zoo official is stealing it from where? From Skull Island, which throws Ooh. back to King Kong. King Kong, yeah. yeah. I think I saw Sumatran Rat Monkey at the Newport <laughs> back in about maybe 88, I don't yeah. know. But, um, you know, I haven't seen that one in so long, and I really, I should go back and, and, and visit it again. I remember laughing, and, and I remember it being just over-the-top gory, and um, after I had submitted my list, that one just kind of actually escaped me. And then when I saw Hope's list, I, I felt kind of dumb for not even bringing that one up. But that's I, I'm, I'm going to differ with you there just as far as a, a, a film that I deserve to be in that, in that slot. And I would go with Return of the Living Dead. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, it, that one came along at a time period where um, there just wasn't anything going on as far as zombie movies go. And, uh, again, it kind of, um, it's a, it's an unofficial sequel in the Night of the Living Dead, um, franchise. And, uh, and then of course it's got a, a killer, killer soundtrack with, uh, it's, it's one of the, I, I actually went out and bought that. Uh, I found a copy of it online and overpaid for it, but, uh, <laughs> had to have that, uh, that movie soundtrack as well. So that was my little, uh, fly in the ointment so to speak i gotta i gotta admit that was the that was the one that um it, it wasn't going to replace uh, um brain dead for me but it was it was in the running with zombie for number five um return of the living dead yeah return of the living dead and it's it's a, it's a really important film in the sort of canon because it's the first time they say brains um yeah, and also absolutely. there's the linnea quigley naked with leg warmers dance in the cemetery <laughs> that i think is everybody's favorite part linnea quigley by the way Dave May might be the only person I know who's going to really appreciate this. She was one of the first people who followed us on Twitter, and I about had a seizure. And I called wow. every I know, and I called everybody I know, and they're like, I'm sorry, what? Gah, curses! Somebody must know who this is. <laughs> well, I remember. I was, go ahead. Go I was going to bring I was going to bring up the naked dancing in the cemetery thing, but I thought, well, I I didn't want to peg myself as being the super creepy guy, <laughs> even though people. <laughs> I probably no. already connected the dots there, so thank you for bringing it up. Sure, I kind of <laughs> but, but, you know, Hope, too, going back to what you said, so much of um, zombie lore has come to, you know, brains, and that's where it all came from, was right. that movie. That, yep. that was not part of Night of the Living Dead or Dawn of the Dead or any of the other ones. And I, and I think it's one of those things that, that people assume that that just kind of was always there. But no, that's that's the flick that it came from. And the whole I smell brains, um, you know, it, it, it was just a, it was a fantastic movie. And I think it came along at a time where they're just I don't even remember what year that was, but I don't I, I'm going to guess that maybe even like the Nightmare on Elm Street series hadn't taken off yet. So it just didn't seem like there was a lot going on. 
you know, in, in the theaters to, to go see. And I vividly remember seeing that one in a in a theater and having a blast with it. Yeah, Return of the Living Dead, that was 85. Okay. Yeah. So it's about a year after Nightmare on Elm Street. But but um, there were really no zombie movies at the time. And, um, and, you know, the late 80s, I mean, the 80s horror outfit, people have a lot of love for it. but And I do too, but they were mostly awful. Like um, Night of the Demons or Night of the Creeps, or Night of the Zombie. I mean, I'm sure I can come up with one that doesn't start with Night of, but um, <laughs> they were mostly sort of terrible, and yet we all watched them, because there weren't really, until Scream came out, there weren't any really well-conceived, yeah. well-thought-out, well-acted films. And all had. Yeah, and this, not that, you know, Return of the Living Dead is not exactly all of those things, but it is a lot of fun, and it's funny, and it, and it you know, injected something new into the, the genre. And isn't there some sort of, uh, I don't remember what it is, but there's, there's a relation. Is, is the guy who wrote this, he was really a part of the original he Night co- of the Living Dead. He co-wrote, yeah, he co-wrote okay. the original, yep. And then he went on to write, and I think direct this one, but, uh, and then, um, which is what then Romero stopped using Night of afterwards. So everything else was just, you know, or excuse me, he stopped using Living Dead. So, Night of the Living Dead, and after that is Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead. He stopped using Living Dead, and then his part, his writing partner, got to keep the Living Dead part of it. Yeah. So, honorable mention, then I guess for Return of the Living Dead. Yes. Sure. Yeah. Uh, honorable mention. All right. So, Dead Alive. That was number three, and we get into the uh, the top two, the heavy hitters, the big boys. Number two on our list, both films called Dawn of the Dead. Officials have declared a state of emergency. Everybody they kill gets up and kills. Residents are advised to find a safe place and stay there. Look up the road. There's a lot more of them. Why are they coming here? Maybe they're coming for us. Sooner or later, they're going to get in here. Our baby's going to be fine. It's only a matter of time. Coming. They'll find a way in. Oh, God. At the risk of uh, getting a swift right hook from both of you, I, <laughs> I, know I, think, what you're I, say. I think I like the second one better. <laughs> That's sacrilege. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, it's, maybe it's because I guess I'm just, I, I've seen it so many more times. Maybe I, I'm, I'm, more, I'm a lot more fami- familiar with it, so maybe that's why. Maybe I have to go back and check out the one from 78 again. I think, you know, from a uh, special effects and makeup standpoint, uh, the remake is definitely superior. You don't have just a lot of, you know, blue-faced zombies walking around. Um, but, you know, for, for me, there will be nothing that would surpass the uh, surpass the original, just because at the time that it came out and the scene early, you know, in the first few minutes of the movie where, the you know, they kick down the door and they blow that guy's head off, I just... Just to see those type of effects, you know, back in the day, uh, it was just so unheard of. And um, I, I thought the remake was was very well done, and I especially love the uh, the whole uh, pregnancy thing. I don't want to give that away if somebody's not seen it, but um, I just I, I laughed out loud as that whole part of the, the story unfolded in the theater. And there, I, I remember going there, and a friend of mine came with, and he his wife was pregnant at the time. And he was visibly uneasy <laughs> as, as that part unfolded. He just kind of let out this groan, like, oh, this is just something I don't care to see right now, which, which just made it that much more fun and, and all the better. Well, one of the things that I, I think is interesting is the, the, Fran, the Francine character. If someone might notice that that character, regardless of what is going on, never screams. And, and apparently the uh, actress uh, who played her, Galen Ross, 
Uh, that was her idea. I guess they wanted her to scream and be more weak and frightful, and, and she said she saw that character as a strong woman and didn't want to scream. So i got to say, um, one of the reasons that, one of the things I find preferable of the remake is, and I love, I love George Romero. I mean, I love George Romero. He cannot write a female character. He has no idea how to write a female character. And, and so even, regardless of the fact that, that she was trying to be this strong, and she does learn some skills, you know, but... Um, and then you get Sarah Polly in the remake, who actually has skills. She's got a head on her shoulder. She knows what's going on. She's happy to kill, you know, the the uh, creepy guy with the boat as soon as he turns. You know, I, I, I and I think all the characters are a lot more realistic and and reasonable and interesting. And you've got the guy, the um, security guard, who's sketchy and you know wrong. And mm-hmm. then, but oh, he, yeah. he comes around, and you love him. And you know, Ving Rhames' character is is interestingly very flawed. He's not a good guy, even though he's the guy you want to be the good guy. There are so many interesting characters um, in in the remake, and Zack Snyder is not by any stretch one of my favorite directors, but he kills it with this one. He I does. mean, it is just the pace is great, and the early scene. Like right after the little girl, Vivian, I hate that that's her name because that's our niece's name. But after <laughs> Vivian, she comes in and she kills Sarah Polly's husband. And as soon as Sarah Polly gets outside, it, it just this big pan yes. back scene of the carnage going yeah. on around yeah. the chaos. It's yeah. such a gorgeously filmed opening such sequence. Such a great way. To, yeah, such a great shot. One of my favorites in the entire movie. And uh, you're right. He does kill it. And it may, maybe it's a smaller point, but I give him credit because apparently he had to really fight the producers for his choice of of music. Johnny Cash's The Man Comes Around, oh my God. which is awesome, and then the Disturbed version of uh, Down With The Sickness. Oh, yeah. The, the uh, that soundtrack is so it's great. great. It's and I, so great. Apparently, they didn't want to use those songs, but again, how much does the music add to it? In this case, I think a lot, so props to him for fighting for those songs. And I want to credit James Gunn, because James Gunn, who went on, right, he wrote and directed Guardians of the Galaxy last year. He did Slither, which we adore, but mm-hmm. he wrote the screenplay for this. He adapted uh, Romero's screenplay for this and another. It's just a killer job. It is, and it's funny, too, because he throws a little contradiction, James Gunn does. Uh, if you get the DVD uh, of this, uh, the, co- of the, the remake, the commentary leads you to believe that it's a virus, but James Gunn has been on record saying, in his mind, it's a bite. It's more of a zombie bite than a virus. Mm. Well, I think, too, what I loved about it was that, you know, in the remake, she's having, you know, a bad day at work, and she comes home, and, uh, you know, her and her hubby get down to it, and they, you know, they're, they're just, you're, they wanted to shut out the entire world and just relax and have some food and go to bed. And then, and then you wake up the next morning, and literally all hell's broken loose. And I thought the way it unfolded, it was so believable because we've all done that. You know, we've come home, had a, a crappy day at work, and maybe you don't turn on the TV. And, and nowadays with social media, it might be a little bit harder, but, you know, it's just that feeling of, you know, you wake up and all of a sudden things are gone. Things are going horribly wrong, and you're, you're powerless to stop it. And then, you know, everything begins to unfold after that, and I just really like the way, you know, it all took off. Yeah. Um, whereas in the original Dawn, um, you know, it was just meant to be basically the next morning, right, you know, after right. night. And so um, it, it didn't start with that that bit of calmness like this one does, and then everything, you know, goes to hell in a handbasket. Yeah, I think one of the one of the main um, you know knocks that the remake has gotten is that Romero's version was was very he was wearing his 
you know, politics on his sleeve. It was very much a knock at consumerism, which is why they, you know, spend so much time in the mall. And uh, Zack Snyder and James Gunn, they really sidestepped that completely. Of course, it was mm-hmm. an uh, entirely new generation, and the mall seems almost quaint at this point. But, um, you know, I think people found that a little bit um, sad. Plus, there wasn't the motorcycle gang part, which, um, yeah. you know, is kind of a kind of a favorite part of the original, the motorcycle gang. Absolutely, because they've, they've worked so hard to to secure and maintain that mall, and then just to know that, you know, another group that's just going to use brute force is going to come in and take this from you, and there's not a damn thing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Yeah, and as you might guess, in the in the remake, there's several homages, uh, and one of them is they, the... Uh, one of the stores in the mall is a clothing store uh, called Galen Ross, which was that actress's <laughs> name. Yeah. Well, and then and then uh, Ken Foray is the uh, news commentator, or the excuse me, like the televangelist. Yes, yes. Well, and then Kenneth uh, Ving Rhames' character, Kenneth, yeah. is yeah. sort of the same the same type of character as he played. And also the two zom- the two zombies in the remake uh, with missing limbs. Those actors were actually amputees, which is exactly what Romero did in the first one. Used actual amputees for for limbless zombies. So, got to keep it real. Yeah, yeah. You got to keep it real. And they also had the foresight. I I don't know what that guy's name is, but uh, he went on to be a big star in uh, in Modern Family. um, Is is in that movie? Oh yeah, and you just want to kick him in the face. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He plays (laughs) that character. He's so perfect. Absolutely. Yeah, he is perfect. So, uh, yeah, both of them from 78 and from 2004, Dawn of the Dead, uh, check in at number two on our list. And you probably guessed it by now as we move on up to number one, the granddaddy, it's Night of the Living Dead. A bizarre adventure in fear. An experience in shock, more shattering than your strangest nightmare. Night. Of the living dead. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Stop it! Well, I kind of mentioned this before. This movie brings me back to a very specific time. Um, And uh, my cousin and I were going to go camping. And um, so we we went out and we set up our our tent and all that stuff. And then uh, decided that we were going to drive about 50, 60 miles to the big city and catch Night of the Living Dead for the first time. At a, at a midnight movie, and so uh, we did that, we drove up, and then driving back, there was all kind of, we were discussing the movie and, and how, you know, how creepy it was, and we get back to the, uh, the campground, and uh, we were both too terrified to get out of the truck <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and sleep in the tent, and so we kind of kept uh, both, you know, making excuses, because neither one of us wanted to admit, you know, yeah. what big babies we were. And uh, at one point, we could hear something, you know, moving in the woods, and it became really unnerving. And he turned on the lights. Well, what happened was is there was a deer standing right there. And at one point, just for that split second, when the headlights hit that deer's eyes, uh-huh. I thought we were both going to just jump through the ceiling <laughs> of that truck. <laughs> and we sat in there and uh, with the, with the the doors locked and basically just prayed for the sun to go. <laughs> <laughs> and and that I mean, going back to the movie itself, it's just it's just so well done. It really was, you know, the beginning of the genre. You had white zombie, and I walked with a zombie, but none of that stuff even, you know, compared. And the, the bleakness of that movie, it, it's just so well done. And um, and it just leaves you with the ultimate gut punch at the end. It does. And, yep. um, and it's, 
it's it's just absolute brilliance. Well, you weren't the only ones uh, terrified because actually, readers Reader's Digest actually came out at the time and said warned people not to see this uh, for fear that would actually inspire cannibalism. <laughs> <laughs> the fine folks at Reader's Digest. Wow, <laughs> looking out for your back. They were, yeah. and uh, I think Romero said at the time that the the, the movie Carnival of Souls was a big uh, influence. Uh, Carnival of Souls from 1962 on on this movie. Interesting. That's uh, that's that's interesting. It is Carnival of Souls is a very creepy, sort of godless film, which I, I can see. And of course, it's black and white as well. And and uh, this was black and white for no particular reason. Maybe it was but, less expensive, but, but I mean, it, it didn't need so to be. Well, oh, black it and white is fantastic. Yeah, it absolutely did. And I just love the. I mean, there are so many things about this movie that are just at this point iconic. But really, the whole structure of the film was. Mildly unusual, and you know, you start with the, of course, in the cemetery, they're coming to get you, Barbara. You know, and then she she flees, and then and then they go down the basement, and you know, it's like, and then and then it's like when you finally think, like, and, and the thing is, people die that you didn't expect were going to die. Mm-hmm. He just upended a lot of expectations, which made the whole movie you're just off kilter the whole time. It was you 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 don't have the safety net of being able to predict what's going to happen next. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and certainly at the end, you just, you know, you well, just don't expect that that ending is going to happen. And the way he shoots it, that the ending, I mean, mm-hmm. um, just in a montage style, yeah. it, again, it's like, it's, it's as if he's robbed it of its Im- impact. And by doing that makes it that much harder to watch. And it's, it's groundbreaking in so many ways. When you think about 1968, all that was going on in the country and he casts a black lead actor. Yeah. I mean that right away, that's, that's very groundbreaking. And also it was one of the first movies to actually depict violent murder yeah. on the screen. You know, what I, it's like, one of my favorite things about the movie is the, um, the, news, the news footage and the, the way that the, the news reporters refer to what's happening outside. They yeah. say the, the scene can best be described as mayhem. And then they yeah. refer to the zombies because they don't say zombie in this movie. They don't. They That's do right. in Dawn, however. A lot of people sort of think that Romero never says zombie, but they say it in Dawn that all the time. Anyway. They refer to them as murder-happy characters instead, which I think is just hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> just well, try to I, I avoid the murder-happy characters. And, and I don't think the movie ever would have worked on any level if it had been shot in color. I think um, I, they, they didn't have the special effects budget. That black and white helped them cover a lot of their bases. I think, you know, the shortcomings of the movie to do it in black and white. And I, I think to, to do that movie in color, I just don't think that it ever would have had... Um, the impact that it did, and Romero himself even admits that basically it's it's um, he's taken uh, Richard Matheson's "I Am Legend" mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. kind of used that as the template. And really, "I Am Legend" is more of a it's a vampire story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but um, there there was a movie that came out a couple years before Night of the Living Dead called the uh, I believe it was the Last Man on Earth, which is a based on "I Am Legend" and Vincent Price and. Uh, you know, that kind of morphed into, uh, Romero says, um, you know, Night of the Living Dead. Um, and also, if you guys haven't seen it, um, I just caught this on Netflix about a week or two ago, but there's a documentary out called The Birth of the Living Dead. Uh, that's that's pretty insightful and has uh, a ton of stuff about behind the, uh, the scenes, and they actually speak with Romero, and uh, there's, there's a, a lot to be learned from that one, too. It's funny that that um, you know he he had sort of a vampire movie in mind when he made this because I think people overlook that vampires and zombies are almost exactly the same thing except in mm-hmm. a zombie film 
the focus is usually, you know, I mean, they're dead and they've come back and, 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 and same in the vampire, the vampire film, the focus is really on the idea of like eternal life. Whereas a zombie film, it's on the idea of living death. Like it's the decay and brainlessness of it. That seems like an infection. That seems mm-hmm. that's the scary part. That's why there's no romance in a zombie movie. Whereas in a vampire movie, you can have romance. Yeah. And you know, another uh, small way it was groundbreaking. This was the first movie filmed in Pittsburgh. Oh my God! Well, not the and now, last. <laughs> and now every third film that comes out <laughs> was was filmed in Pittsburgh. But no, I think I think you're absolutely right, Dave. Um, whether it was by a necessity or accident, black and white adds so much to this movie. Yeah, it does. Night of the Living Dead, number one on our all zombie all the time top five, and that leads us to what do we got on tap for next week? I'm going to try and scare both of you with the best radio station horror next oh, week. Oh, no! Are these are these true life stories of listeners? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I'm sure both of us could come up with a few of those. But um, And then we look forward to December the 9th, which is the next installment of Fright Club Live. That's right. We're celebrating Christmas with Inside. Yay! Woo! Merry Christmas, everybody! Hide your scissors. <laughs> Nothing says Happy Holidays like uh, like Inside. What a what a great movie! It I is. mean, just absolutely brutal. But wow, what a great movie! It is, and we'll be uh, seeing it in all of its big screen glory, uh, December the ninth, live at the, at the uh, Gateway Film Center, and we'll be doing our uh, Fright Club podcast live in front of the audience right before then. With Counting down the best Christmas horror movies. Christmas horror movies. And you know what, Dave? i got to give Dave credit. He's the one that first introduced me to Krampus. He is. I've got absolutely no faith in this uh, this Krampus movie that's coming out. It looks so bad, and I wanted it to be so good. As a matter of fact, I think there's two movies coming out. One's just called Krampus, and I think there's um, one... I, I don't even remember what it's called, but I think it's more of a Krampus versus uh, the Santa Claus type thing. But... Um, it, it, it's good storytelling. There's a, there's a book by an author named Brom that's just called Krampus. And uh, if you want to catch up on the uh, the lore of that, I would suggest checking that one out. We're cautiously optimistic about Krampus. The same same writer directed Trick or Treat, which is great. He's also a Columbus boy, so yeah. we gotta we so gotta we hope so. Yeah, we hope so. Fingers crossed. Yeah. So, but we'll be counting down. Uh, can't the, promise they'll make the list though. <laughs> no, we can't promise. There are a lot. There's a lot of really good scary Christmas horror movies. A lot. And then when you go back and realize that uh, The Exorcist actually came out on Christmas Day of, what, 74 or 73? I mean, 73, yeah. I I can't imagine dropping everything and going to the theater to see The Exorcist on Christmas (laughs) Day. Wow. (laughs) So a lot to look forward to. Uh, We appreciate that. Our senior undead correspondent, Dave, man. Thank you so much. It was a blast. Thank you. You guys, thank you very much. I was I was looking forward to this all week, and it's been a blast, so thanks for the opportunity. All right, love it. Glad to do it. Thank you so much. And until next week... I'm Hope Madden. I'm George Wolf, and this is the Fright Club Podcast. Dave, we'll let you take us out. Stay frightful, my friends. Zombie, zombie.